Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great. Yeah, this is part two. This is our second hour uh, thank you all for tuning us and turning us on. Um, listen, I, I get to interview some fantastic people. And Benny, the other day, we were kind of trying to look at my past uh, radio shows and interviews. And, you know, I have a couple of folks that are really interested in putting out some information because this is our 10th year with TTR, right? It's also, you know, the transition from crust busting to the Dr. Pat show. So there's that. But people have asked me what, uh, what is it that, I have learned that I found really different uh, in the 16 years I was doing this. And I, I said, well, I have to say that uh, if there's anything that I want to talk about, it's the books that I've seen written over the past 15 or 16 years about God. And, and they asked me how so. And I said, well, what I've seen is, I've seen new and interesting information that as a kid, I would naturally be drawn to and ask those questions. But more and more and more right now, we are looking at sides of the sacred feminine and uh, Judeo-Christian traditions. And people are trying to make sense of what's true, what's not true. And if you're a couple of my friends who spent a lifetime with the interpretation of beautiful, beautiful kept scrolls, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a new level of excitement. And if there's one thing that those folks wish is that they would list, live to hundreds of years, just like, just like some of the people in the Old Testament did. But here today, we're talking about what has been revealed and what people have researched and what perceptions as well as information are being put forth. And that's today's show. What When I think about when two authors come together with the body of work that, you know, spans a lifetime or two lifetimes, and then they write the book we're about to talk about, When God Had a Wife, The Fall and Rise of the Sacred Feminine in the Judeo-Christian Tradition. When I think about what Lynn Picknett and Clive Prince have done, and this book, 
they tap into a level of consciousness that we started to see emerge about a decade ago, I think, in our pop culture, where we started to see the emergence of mainstream conversations about just this. So today, we're going to take a, a journey. I don't think we're going to get to everything in the book. I know I put a bunch of post-it notes in here, especially on the chapter of Jesus and his goddess. But let's get going with these fabulous, fabulous authors, researchers, uh, conversationalist and passionist when it comes to talking about revelation. Thank you both for joining me here today. It's brilliant for being on. Thank you very yes. much. Hello, Pat. Good well, morning where you are. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here. I mean, let's start with sort of the little summary I put together based on my own perspective. One of the things I've noticed uh, since I started to do this show is there's a shift and a change. Not quite at the pace I think that many of us would like to see, but the shift in the pace that we're seeing is really conversations that were not part of a mainstream, that were usually part of scholars and academics talking about what they thought really did happen. Now we're starting to see it in our movies. We're starting to see it in books. I want to ask each of you, from your your individual perspectives, what do you think has changed to get people more and more interested into not what was previously thought, but what might have been? What was that about? Who wants to go first? Lynn, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I, I think it's a huge irony, Dr. Pat, that, mm -hmm. um, that you know, the scholars, as you say, are the ones who have known about all sorts of things that most ordinary worshippers would conceive of as being seismic, electrifying, you know, almost shocking. But, they, but scholars and academics have known about various things for decades and kept it to themselves pretty much. So to them, you know, a lot of the stuff that we would certainly be talking about isn't shocking, but the average, to the average um, worshipper in a synagogue or a church, it might, you know, cause them to blink a bit. Um, but the thing is, the irony is that really it comes down in, in a huge degree to an one airport thriller. Um, in the early years of the 21st century, um, which was, you know, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it actually kicked off and this is not an exaggeration, as I'm sure people will realize, it kicked off a global conversation mm -hmm. about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Were they married? You know, were they in love? What was going on there? Were, were they involved in some kind of a ritual together? Um, it kicked off a whole thing about, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. What were the clues in there? Um, you know, it kicked off a whole thing about, well, are these Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, are they real? You know, um, and it got people talking and the excitement, you know, it didn't totally go away. It sort of entered into the consciousness. So you had people at the back of people's minds who haven't even read that book or haven't even seen that movie. It's there now and people feel they can talk about it. The shame of that is, of course, that there's still an awful lot of snobbery involved surrounding all that, which means that although the academics have known most of that stuff themselves, they kind of say, oh, well, you know, we won't, we, we can't even soil our eyes by by looking at this book or, or we, we don't even want to bother talking about it. Um, but, you know, it actually did start a whole new 
way of looking at biblical characters, way of looking at the sacred feminine. And the irony was, it was an airport thriller that did it. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, an airport thriller that really opened the door for conversations by not the beginning of the movie or the journey or the book, the beginning of the book, but what it led you to ask, the question it led you to ask at the end, a compelling question. Um, but you both have been, uh, well, first of all, you're long known for your conversations, your writing, uh, and your revelations, right, that go against what is called common belief. However, having said that, you know, there are people that have a common belief in whatever religious uh, philosophies they believe in that to question some aspects of it. And I, I want to go back and, and really, Clive, ask you this question about it. You know, as unsettling as this may seem, this is also the war of the world, so to speak. And I'm not talking about a zombie movie. I'm really talking about the war of the worlds, which I believe also goes on inside of us, but literally a war about what would happen if the truth would be revealed. Well, yes, I mean, that's what we're all sort of trying to, to get towards, the truth. Uh, well, I suppose, it, I mean, in the end, when it comes to truth with a capital T, we all have to, to choose our own mm -hmm. truth, our own interpretation. I think what Lynn and I are more concerned with is um, is the facts. Mm -hmm. you know, saying that a lot of things have been known to, to, to scholars uh, for decades, if, if, if not centuries, um, which don't get out to the, um, you know, the, the average worshipper in, in a church or in a synagogue. Um, and so, for example, when you know, Dan Brown wrote The Da Vinci Code, mm -hmm. in, in which he talked about these Gnostic Gospels, um, it's the first most people had ever heard of them, even though they've been known, um, well, well, certainly since they were discovered in 1947, but some of them even before that, going back to the 19th century. Um, so there's this kind of, you can understand the sense of disbelief when thinking, well, nobody in my church or my Sunday school has ever told me about these things. They must, somebody must be making this stuff up. But in fact, it's not. And this is, um, you know, say, truth is that kind of very subjective thing that we all have to sort of make our own decisions on that. But they still should be grounded in the facts. And the facts should be known. Facts shouldn't be hidden. Um, and OK, because often we're talking about things that happened millennia ago, yeah. maybe, you know, we're not absolutely sure exactly what happened there are different differences of opinion but still it's there to be debated so that's um and what we try to do in this book is to um, bring together all the factual scholarly information the archaeological evidence that backs up this idea that actually the god of the old testament did have a wife Mm -hmm. it, it's actually in 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 scholarly terms this is not controversial but in religious terms it obviously is hugely controversial well and really this is what the great divide is about you know it's it's really this sense of people 
and and having being taught or having being introduced to a version of things and not being allowed to question things. I mean, you know, I, I am the kind of kid that grew up uh, initially in uh, uh, in the Catholic religion. And at age six, I was expelled from Catholic boarding school. Now, what what would you have to do at age six? <laughs> right. I mean, think about what? it. What, did what you would do? you have to do? Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, I was sitting in the Catholic boarding school over a long weekend because the, my dad didn't come pick me up. My mom was very sick and actually was an addict and an alcoholic. And back then they didn't call them that. But, you know, I was sitting there and I was literally dead across from the ninth station of the cross. And I. I looked up at the ninth station as a little six-year-old, and I just heard Jesus talk to me. And I ran to Mother Superior. Well, first I grabbed on Sister Michael Anthony, and she was completely uh, out of her mind that I would even interrupt this mass. Uh, grabbed me, took me to Mother Superior, and had me tell Mother Superior what I heard. And so I told Mother Superior, I said, yeah, Jesus told me that my mom was with him. And Mother Superior picked up her head and she had a note from my dad. My mom had just died. Wow. And so, but can you imagine what that means though? See, you and I would talk about this as a wow. Mm, but mm. when you are in what we're talking about, and we're going to get to what you reveal in the book as well, this is something that doesn't really happen. And if it does happen, it goes against every belief of certain religious philosophies. And they, each of them have their own beliefs, values, this you do, this you don't do, right? Yeah. But when I read your book, what I read is the revelation that allows us to live in the in-between place, right? Hmm. Yeah. The in-between yeah. place. And I want to ask you, and uh, we'll go ahead and skip the break. I want to ask you, you've written many, many books, many books. You're known worldwide for what you've done. I'd like to know what you discovered in writing this book that has changed each of you. Is there any one thing that you might point to? Oh, it's a big question. Um, it, obviously, the, the, the book itself... The information, the research has been going on for a long time, so it's it's, it's built up, um, you know, so over a long time until we actually sat down to write the book. And even then, always when you start to write the book during the course of it, you find out new things. Even then, you start off thinking you know what the book is about, and what's going to go in there, and you come across you come across new things. Um, I think what the thing that's come across to me is although we kind of always knew this thing that yes, there was. Uh, in the ancient world and even you know the in the the ancient israelite religion there was space for the sacred feminine um so we kind of knew that almost from the beginning but the more the mm -hmm. research went on the more um the, the, the just the, the sheer amount of evidence for this that came that came out and just realizing actually how big it was how different the role of women um, was in uh, the, the the Old Testament days, you know, in the, in, mm -hmm. in the Israelite days, um, you know, the roles of prophetesses, the roles of uh, wise women, 
um, uh, you know, e even when it comes to sort of matters of, of warfare and battle, things we kind of think of today as being, um, you know, that's that's the province of, of men. Um, and just actually, you know, just say realizing how, how huge this was and how different it makes uh, makes you know the, the the image we have of the ancient world of, of the ancient Israelite religion. It's just kind of just just the scale of it. It just kept growing and growing. Um, uh, and also the goddess's tenacity, the sacred feminine's tenacity throughout the Judeo-Christian tradition, that although um, the various patriarchies um, officially banned the worship of the goddess, um, she took different forms in, yeah. in in the in the affections of of the masses really or, or went underground and was loved and cherished secretly until the time was right that she would come out again a bit more and maybe in a different form so that's why it's not a mistake by the way in the subtitle of our book the subtitle is the fall and rise of the sacred feminine because that's how we see it that was kind of what was amazing to me in in this research that in, in a sense she well she never let go but she's making a comeback. And actually, one thing that's just dawned on me, and this doesn't sound particularly modest, but I think Clive and I have a hand in her coming back. Mm -hmm. So so um, that's quite a big thought. Yeah, I, I would say you do. Um, one of the things that I was struck by is the time frame, because initially when I when I uh, when I saw the book, and we were talking about having you both come on, I had a very different perception of where I thought things would start. And then when I, I started to read the book, it dawned on me that this particular book and what you've written here starts way earlier than I thought it would because you went back, right? Uh, yeah. and, and I want to talk about that. Why was that important? to go back as far as you did to begin the forward conversation about this? Well, as far as we personally as authors were yeah. concerned, we, we, I suppose we kind of wanted to write the prequel to two of our other yeah. books. One mm. was uh, the Templar Revelation, which um, inspired the Da Vinci Code. Um, and um, one was um, The Masks of Christ, which is our more recent book. Uh, but both concerned the sacred feminine in Christianity, mainly Mary Magdalene. Um, and we, 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 it's almost like the goddess herself was saying, look, I'm sorry, this is not where I began. You know, go back, go back, go back. And it's almost like we were compelled to do the prequel, which is this book. Yeah, um, there's so much richness in going back and doing that. And the reason I say that is we're now seeing, I think, uh, a resurgence in our pop culture of goddess and goddess energy. Why do I say that? Um, I say it because most of the time we don't look at what goes on in our pop culture and the consciousness of our pop culture. As a matter of fact, we kind of throw our pop culture out into the world of cosmopolitan and say, oh, well, that's that. But that's not really that. You know, it has a massive impact. And once upon a time, it had a massive impact just in the United States, but it doesn't anymore. It has a massive impact in having people think about what's possible. And we have seen this, and you've referenced the Da Vinci Code. I'm seeing it now when I see how young girls are now looking up to role models in movies, right? 
Hmm. that go back in time, but yet represents the goddess energy, or some people call it an archetype, right? Yeah. Uh, What do you think is happening with this consciousness? And is it because much of what you've written here is really longing to come out and be told, not in the back room of a of a of a small closet, but really in a more profoundly global way. Well, it's a fascinating thing because it, you know sometimes it becomes like a circular thing of 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 what is what is driving these changes. You know, um, as we're discovering more and more about the ancient goddess, say through archaeology and so on, we have more information to go on, which makes people more aware of that. But also at the same time, there is a growing awareness. Um, among people, you know, the, the the way the role of women, the place of women, has changed um, in the in the last few generations, um, and therefore, you know, it's changing the whole way. Um, it's changing the world for men as well. So, in part, there seems to be this growing consciousness, anyway. You know, something within ourselves. Um, uh, you know, uh, just a growing awareness of the importance of not just the sacred feminine, but the feminine of all kinds um but that's gone hand in hand with finding out more you know like we're mm-hmm. talking about the vinci code we're talking about the gnostic gospels uh that people have become aware of so sometimes you wonder which which is driving mm. which mm. you know is it the fact that we have this growing consciousness um that is get, getting people to, to to look for this information more or is it that the information that we're getting is driving people into this kind of consciousness? I, I think it's the two. It's the two things growing together, which makes it kind of very exciting time. Because I think it's growing in a way that, um, you know, as Lim was saying, there has been this, the, the goddess wouldn't go away. There's always, mm-hmm. whenever there's a, a, a time of resurgence, um, it happens. But it's never really caught on as much as it is now. So I think it's a very exciting time for all this. It's like it has been building up for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynn, I want to ask you this question before we go to break. Um, One of the things that I'm really struck by and really struck by it in your book um, are the references to the women that many of us do know and the women that many of us may not know. Uh, Clearly... Uh, Mary Magdalene has always been uh, an enigma, so to speak, for some people, but for other people, a savior. Uh, For those people that have looked at Mary Magdalene and really had a sense of, wait a minute, who was she really? You know, some folks, uh, some folks, you know, have presented information that said, wait a minute, you know, she was a successful businesswoman. She actually funded, uh, in today's language, funded. Um, Why do we have this ridiculous, almost conspiracy-like desire to really keep the information and the work and the empowerment of the women that at least you've mentioned in the book and many, why do we have to keep this suppressed? Uh, it's, It's historically, that's what's happened. It was quite deliberate. Um, I mean, you know, our evidence is that, and our message, if you like, is that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were an item. They weren't legally married, but they were passionately in love. Um, Jesus was besotted with her. They were spiritual equals. They were Mm -hmm. ritual partners. 
she was his priestess um and but but the but the the thing is that basically um she was his beloved so much that you know in the gnostic gospel certainly jesus is always saying wherever the gospel is preached you know her name will be celebrated she'll sit mm -hmm. at my right hand throughout eternity etc yep. um and you know the very early vatican if you like the very early church fathers knew all that they knew mm -hmm. that jesus was in love with her they knew that jesus wanted her name to be celebrated and mm -hmm. they were determined to put a stop to it even if it meant tacitly insulting their lord because they did not want generations of powerful women, empowered women. They just didn't want this. They didn't want her to be a role model. So you have the, the extraordinary happening um, in, I think it was the sixth, no, the, yeah, the sixth century, um, where you have a pope um, basically saying, oh, Mary Magdalene was a sinner, she was a woman, therefore she must have been a prostitute. Therefore, I'm telling you, she was a prostitute. And that's, you know, it was basically, has gone down in history, she was, that's what she was. Um, when, you know, and she's become the brand name for female shame, when in fact, you know, the evidence is she was the least ashamed woman in history. Um, you know, I mean, she was the most amazing woman, as, as you, you well know, and, you know, a lot of your listeners really know. But this was a deliberate conspiracy and cover-up in order to prevent generation upon generation of women modeling themselves on her. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and one of the things I love is where we are today and what we have discovered and what the future may hold and what's to be discovered. I want to take a short break. When we come back, I want to go through the book. For those of you just uh, just tuning in, I have a great conversation here with Lynn Picknett and Clive Prince. They are the authors of When God Had a Wife, The Fall and Rise of the Sacred Feminine in the Judeo-Christian Tradition. Um, I want to make sure that once you all come back, you know that if you have questions on this, phone lines are always open, 1-800-930-2819. And we'll give you the website, tell you how you can get a copy of the book. When we come back, I'd love to hear from each uh, uh, of the authors as to what is it about this particular book for them, the writing of it, how it's written, what is the most profound message that each of them sees in this book for who we are today in the world and who we are to become? Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Kimberly Carlson, and I would love for you to tune in to All In Healing Radio, where together we will begin to experience health, happiness, and harmony in all areas and aspects of life. Join us every first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on TransformationTalkRadio.com. All in Healing will help you release layers of negative beliefs and energies for radiant health, deep joy, and greater abundance. Visit me at KimberlyCarlson.com. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. 
(laughs) The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felice Diana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. How do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I'm Dr. Pat. If you want to find out more about me, go to the Dr. Pat show, uh, or you could go to transformation talk radio. Um, Lynn, uh, Clive, I would love for folks know to know two things. One, how they might get a copy of the book. And then also how can they find out more about you? Uh, well, we uh, find out about us well, and by the book uh, can be done <laughs> through our website, which is www.picknetprints.com. All, you know, Picknet Prints, all one word, P-I-C-K-N-E-T-T-P-R-I-N-C-E. But I think you're going to have the links on your on, on your site as well, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that tells, tells people more about us and what we do and what we have done in the past. Um, so you can get the book through there. Uh, well, there's a link through to Amazon. You can get the book you know, most places, uh, I hope. Um, so, um, actually, yes, please do. Um, because I think, you know, it, it, the, the message of the book was, is important to Lynn and I, but it's, you know, we only really write books when we think we've got a message to give to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought we, you know, we do have one here um, that, um, you know, trying to bring together both the um, scholarly academic information, but not in a scholarly and academic way, um, and uh, putting it all together to show people how much evidence there is dotted around in all these kind of little, uh, you know, academic books and academic journals where, you know, they've, they've, people have made really important discoveries, but they only really talk about it amongst themselves in the... Mm-hmm you know, universities and things. And when you bring the whole thing together and put it in one place, 
um, and put it in context of the history, um, the story that emerges is actually quite amazing. You know, and, and it's yes, you know, the, the the thing that's kind of really leapt out for me is showing. Well, I was going to say how how different the past was, as I said earlier, but it's how different the religion is, both. Mm. You know, the, the Judaic religion and the Christian religion, um, and in a way, how they're they they're not what they're supposed to have been. They they're kind of they're, they've been missing half the story all the time because of eliminating the feminine from it. You know, um, so you know maybe the half the story they have is fine, but it's it's still only half the story, and we're getting the other half back now. And yeah. It's being recovered, so we're getting the complete picture of the history, you know, of you know, the roles between men and women, and certainly women's place in the history, uh, but also in the religion. Um, both, you know, the fact of um, the sacred feminine in the religion, but also the roles of priestesses. You know, I mean, who knew that there were priestesses in Solomon's temple in Jerusalem? For most of the time, it was there, not yeah. an occasional accidental thing, but that was actually the norm to have a goddess worshipped alongside God in the Jerusalem temple with a priesthood that included women. I mean, and once you know that, you've, the vision of history and of the religion changes and so it becomes more complete. Oh, I, well, I, I want to talk about what I said to you during the break as well. Thank you for that. And that is, you know, I, I've read uh, many, many books and, you know, I even ventured out and uh, was fascinated by Q and the Gospel of Thomas. And, mm. you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, an academician when it comes to the level and the body of work you've done, but curious you know, curious yeah. about why are people talking about this mm. and what is it that we're in search for and why do we not necessarily believe the way things were told uh, and why they were told. But your book does something interesting and I would love for you to take folks on a journey of it is it does in many cases start out in a place where people can connect the dots, more or less connect the stories and say, well, yes, that started there. This happened here. But, you know, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about, you know, some of the dots that you both connect. And there are several of them. I think many people probably haven't ventured to really look at or understand Sophia. And Sophia is is talked about uh, just beautifully in the book, and in terms, you know, Sophia's secret. And so, I would love for you, Lynn, if you could start take us on a journey of how and why it was so important to connect the dots that you have here to create this tapestry. Well, in a sense, all our books are us, us co connecting the dots. Yeah. Uh, first of all, of course, in order to do that, you have to find the dots. Yeah. You know, 
it, it's, it's a pretty long and complicated um, journey, although the actual writing of the book might not take that long but as clive said before you know you know we we have in a sense been researching this book for for decades a couple of decades um because you know that's what we do it's bubbling along underneath and then finally we get to to write it um and as i said as i said earlier as well you know it almost this this book almost demanded to be written um, because we had assembled many more dots than we could actually join up in our previous books. And so there were a lot of dots left over. Um, and, you know, they were they were aching, they were yearning to be made into some kind of pattern. That's what we were, you know, trying to do. And we often described our, uh, describe ourselves as historical detectives. And in that sense, we are, because we kind of like to strip everything back to the you know the basics and uh, if you like rebuild it given the evidence you know not really taking much notice of the you know the standard interpretation although obviously we'll take that on board but actually you know seeing what else is there and you know we were pretty amazed ourselves um you know as we as we we joined up the dots um at you know the tenacity of the um hebrew goddess um you know from her early days as asherah um who was worshipped um you know by by the ordinary people in the countryside um and you know they would not let her go and even though various regimes tried to ban her worship they just you know she hung on in there and as clive said was even worshipped officially in the, the Jerusalem temple. Now, that was jaw-dropping to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, how is that not jaw-dropping? You know, when we've been led to believe that Yahweh, that, you know, this stern, single male God was all there ever was, and into thinking any other terms would be blasphemy, would be outrageous. And there it is. It's a fact. God's wife was worshipped with him in the Jerusalem temple. It's a historical fact. And, you know, archaeology has backed this up. So there were more dots to join up in the pattern because, you know, little figurines of Asherah, the goddess, have been found and, and little inscriptions inscribed on bits of pottery rather sweetly, you know, blessing people by Yahweh and his Asherah, which I think is rather sweet. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, you know, Mr. and Mrs. God. Um, and, and, you know, all of it, it was very exciting. Um, um, and, you know, we, 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 when we got towards the end of the book, you know, having seen the continuation of the goddess in various forms, um, so as Lady Wisdom, as, as the Shekinah, um, as Sophia, and then final, finally to get back, as it were, to Mary Magdalene and, and various other characters, as you know, at the end of the book, and, and but again, with actually this time with a slightly fresh eye, seeing mm. other dots to be joined up, that was exciting too. So we've been excited by this journey, and we seriously hope other people are too. Yeah, and it, this is part of the conversation that I think so aligns with what I call a global consciousness about finding out more. So. What I mean by that is, and I would love Clive to hear, hear from you, is what I mean by that is, uh, it seems like overnight, but it's not, but it seems like overnight, all the things that perhaps we were told are not sitting with us very well. And so there is more than a curiosity to try to find out why that is. What do you think, Clive? 
Mm. Uh, absolutely is, and I you know, certainly certainly welcome it, because you know, if you think about the, the way religion has been, um, you know, for most of our history, it's been something that we're told. It's been something we've been told, you know, by priests or, uh, you know, or rabbis and bishops, um, and you were just told it. You were given the official ver version, and you weren't supposed to question it. And of course. For many centuries, you know, going back into the past, to actually question it got you in a lot of trouble. So you weren't, that, that, in a way, that the religion is was about not thinking for yourself, um, and that has certainly changed dramatically in the last mm -hmm. couple of centuries. But it's snowballing; it's, it's getting stronger the whole time. Um, there are still people out there who just want to. Um, uh, you know, have a position of authority and tell you what to believe and what to think. But people are not satisfied with that anymore. People want to yeah. work work stuff out for themselves. Um, and, you know, to, 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 to question um, what they've been told. I mean, sometimes I think it, it, it swings an enormous way to the to the other way and people reject all of religion, you know, like mm -hmm. Yeah. School of thought that now says, well, th the way Jesus has been taught to us is is wrong. Uh, so they swung the other way, and there's a whole lot of people saying, well, Jesus never existed, um, which you know, which we don't believe. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, but you know, everyone's got to come to their own conclusions, their own interpretation of those of the information that's there. But that's the whole point, because you know, in the past, there's two things about religion traditionally, certainly I'm thinking uh, primarily of Christianity, is, as I said, it's it's mainly something you were told what to believe, and you, you there's not much leeway you're given in, in how much, how flexible you can be in interpreting that. Um, and you know, a, a, aside from that, it's all been very negative in that it teaches you um, what what's wrong about yourself, you know, the yeah. original sin um you know it, it it's all about um you know it, it, it's all about the negative um and that's changing too people are saying yeah. no, actually it it can be a really positive thing you know religion is supposed to tell us what's what's good about ourselves not, not what's bad um and, and that's a whole shift that that, that that's yeah part of what's going on so, i think yeah. it's an enormous shift i think that the one point that you're just mentioning there is enormous shift by by religions that normally don't make that shift and mm -hmm. i think that's what we're seeing as you just pointed out um and i wanted to just ask you a little follow-up to that because i do see a new level of positivity i mean you know, this is a positive talk radio network, and we've been that for 15 years. Um, but it's a new kind of positivity. It's positivity of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what you're talking about, which shifts in religious slash spiritual beliefs. It's moving from, I really don't have much to do or say about my destiny, to wait a minute, there are choices I can make and step into the possibilities of an expansive universe. Is that what you're referring to as the shift, something like that? 
it, it is. It, it's well. I think it's also being kind of realistic about things because it's not. It's not going from being told everything's negative to going to the other extreme and saying everything is absolutely fine and we, you know, right. we, we don't have to worry about the future and you know, we, um, and there's, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with, um, with with the world as it is. Which very clearly, there still are great problems and still need to be, uh, we need to address. But there's, I think, I think there's more of a positivity about how those things can be addressed that they can be addressed whereas if you kind of look back in the traditional way of thinking back to original sin uh, and everything it's always been told that um actually there's, there's not a lot you can do to make the world better you have to leave that bit up to god he'll sort that he'll produce mm -hmm. a miracle whereas now we're kind of more thinking well we can actually make our own miracles now mm -hmm. um so i think that's it it's, it's not the sort of completely kind of mindless po positivity um that's refusing to face the sort of reality of, of things it's actually it is facing reality but reality as it is and not you know it's it's not all this kind of negative and everything you know you're totally dependent on god's mercy to save you it, you know it's up to us which of course takes us back to you know the early gnostic way of mm. thinking um which is you know basically salvation's in your own hands um whether individually or collective yeah i mean one of the things and lena when i uh, lena when i ask you about it the analogy that I have, albeit really simplified, and I'll just say it, is from a uh, from a let's just call it a psyche of hopeless to a psyche of hopeful. And I find hope is a common denominator when I think about this for myself and also for others. You know, there's a place that you can get where you more or less surrender into a life that you think you'll never have. And it's without hope for that. And now what I'm seeing, and we see this across the board with the new energy, it is about hope. And that is really defined in a very personal way for each person. But don't we, don't you think that the information that you're providing is also that which fuels this new level of hopeful consciousness, because it does provide, let's just call it intuitive, intuitive gaps in what people feel and what actually they've been told. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope, I hope very much at uh, that word hope again. Um, I hope very much that, you know, our book, our little book can help, um, you know, plug the gaps in people's um, intuitive understanding of of Christianity and the sacred feminine and um, the Hebrew goddess, or you know maybe the the people have felt that you know really there had to be a feminine angle on Christianity. There had to be a feminine angle on Judaism, but where was it? Well, hopefully we can provide some pointers that. But basically, what we always say we do, and hopefully we do is we don't just present somebody, you know, as it were, a lump of, of, of information and say, there you are, that's it. What we do is present somebody with a story as, you know, basically our findings. This is what we found. But we also provide notes and references so that the reader can chase it all up, look at exactly what we found. Maybe, you know, you'll come to different um, interpretation, different conclusion, but at least... You know, we presented you with the evidence and said, you know, there's the evidence that we found. You look at it. There is hope here. Look mm -hmm. at it. 
you know, and I think it's not just hope as such, it's it's the, the, the kind of fizzing energy of potential. I think we all feel, you know, this is a new day. You know, it, anything could happen in this day. Good things as well as bad things. Yeah. You know, we're not all worms crawling along the ground like the, you know, the Vatican used to teach, you know, that, that we could only, you know, know grace through through pre the priests and even then it might be a bit dodgy. Um, you know, it, it's actually now I think individuals are feeling that they can find their own salvation in their own way. Um, and it's immensely exciting and immensely empowering and it's beyond hopeful. It, it's 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 making your own potential day by day. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me thank you both. I would love again for you to tell folks how they can get a copy of the book, as well as how they can find out more about you and also your other book. So let's do that first, if we could. Um, well, yes, you can um, buy the book um, and discover more about us um, through our website, which is www picknetprince.com, picknetprince, all one word, which is P-I-C-K-N-E-T-T-P-R-I-N-C-E.com. Um, and there's, it's, there's lots lots on there about our other books, uh, about what we're up to, um, in, including, you know, doing this. It, that's, that's on the website. And you can order books from Amazon via our website or indeed just straight from Amazon or through any good bookshop. Um, so this is, you know, absolutely delightful that we have the opportunity to talk to your viewers in this way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I have a few minutes left. I want to ask you uh, each this question. I want to ask you, now that you've written this book and you've written many others, what would be your vision for the impact that each of you would like to see happen as a result of people reading this book. Clive, why don't you go first? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> what would it to see happen? Um, uh, well, it's, I mean, in a way, I think it, it, it's for us to tell people that are part of a religion, um, you know, how, how they deal with it, um, how they take this on board. But I think the important thing, certainly for me, is that uh, people who are aware of this information um, and interpret it as as they will, or, or they go and ask some questions of, you know, their priests, their their rabbis, or whatever. Um, I it, it's a matter of getting that conversation going and getting that questioning going. That's really what I would would hope for. That that people it it raises people's awareness of these things. It gets them talked about. It gets them thought about. You know, it, it, as individuals, we have to kind of just. Uh, look, look at this. Look at this. The way the world's going, the way um, this, the, the way consciousness is changing, and seeing how that applies to ourselves, and and you know what things in our past or uh, in our characters we have to let go of, what things we start to move towards uh, and embrace. So you know there's a, there's a, there's a lot that can be done with this. It really affects kind of you know all all aspects of our lives. I think. Yeah. 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 Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Lynn, how about you? I think the thing I would like to see, which would be immense, would be for Jewish women and Christian women not to feel so alone. 
but to feel part of a tradition going back, 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 way, way back, and actually just feel all those priestesses, all those goddess worshippers crowding in on them, patting them on the back, saying, go for it, sister, go for it, you can do it, you know, get the message out there, you know, there is... a you know, the, the goddess, there is the sacred feminine. You are part of it. You are sacred. You are feminine. Go for it. Wow. Thank you both for joining me here today. Uh, personal message. What do each of you want to leave us with today? Uh, I think I want to say, first of all, big thank you for uh, allowing us to be on here. Uh -huh. um, I, I want to say that... Um, you know, the very end of our book, and I'm not giving anything away here, mm -hmm. but the very end of very end of our book, um, we do make a plea for mm -hmm. a balance. You know, the goddess had her had her god, the god had his goddess, and I I think we should bear in mind that you know we should aim for a balance between male and female. Mm. Wow, boy, I'm with you on that. How about you, Clive? Uh, well, I mean, I think you know, also I'd add to um, add to Lynn, you know, the th thanks for uh, giving us this opportunity to talk to you and talk talk to your listeners. Um, and th the thing for me, yes, absolutely agree with what uh, Lynn has said uh, about the balance. Um, obviously, I'm looking at it from uh, from from a male perspective and seeing how you know it's not just this information. Uh, can be used to empower women in their religion um but it's something that empowers men too because mm -hmm. it's yep. it, it, it's finding the sacred feminine in in ourselves too um uh, and you know and how we relate to that so um you know it, it's not what we've put in this book it's not just a book certainly for, you know for women it's not just a book about women and about the sacred feminine because it is about that balance you know there is a sacred masculine as well um but it needs to be balanced off with that um and that balance was there in the past in the beginning and it's sort of tried to sort of surface all the way through history and now we're in a in a in a time in history when it, it really can happen you know we really can move towards that so um oh so yeah let's look forward to that yeah, let's do that. Well, thank you both for joining me here today. Thank you so much for a lifetime dedicated to truth and information and presenting us with the facts and helping all of us that have remained so curious about what we don't know uh, venture out and discover what we could know. Thank you both for that. Well, well thank you very much indeed. Yes, thank you, Pat, and thank, thank you for you. your show. Thank you. Well, I love this, everybody. The book is called When God Had a Wife. Uh, thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on, and make sure you stay tuned for another hour on TTR. We'll see you then. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.